It is a prime ingredient, feeding the fires of imagination. In eons past, it fanned flames ignited by a primeval author, chiseling random petroglyphs across a dim cave wall. This life-giving breeze once grew papyrus for paper and dried vibrant oils brushed over canvas. Carried across the land since the dawn of time, it once breathed life into dinosaurs and has since walked on the surface of the moon. Manifesting as a gentle zephyr, it stirs memories of childhood or as a raging vortex ripping up the pages of history. Powered by this influence, we dream, love, laugh, hate and destroy. In short, live out our lives. A gust of this tempest carries the power to scatter fog surrounding the unknown. Drifting through frequencies of time and space, thin air is inhaled for the first time and exhaled at the last. Don't try to catch your breath. A gentle wind stirred through the weeds and tall grass beside the ribbon of asphalt leading out of town. Winding in between miles and miles of dense, waist-high cornfields, the old blacktop road was a pathway to adventure for Kate and Juniper as the little girls set out on a warm August morning with bug jars in hand, pedaling their way into the countryside in search of six-legged oddities to capture and observe. Juniper's bicycle was equipped with saddlebag baskets draped over the back tire and so had been designated as transport of the gear needed for the expedition. Gear consisting of two sizable butterfly nets, one set of dime store plastic binoculars, two sack lunches containing PB&J sandwiches, Ritz crackers, bags of recently acquired Girl Scout cookies, and last but not least, a tattered field guide of Midwestern insect life and where to find it. Although the well-stocked saddlebags really didn't add to the weight ratio of what June was carrying, she huffed and puffed all the same, as if the load were better suited for some sort of heavy-duty scientific research truck, porting ponderous racks of entomology hardware into the field for study. As the younger girl fell several feet behind, Kate quit pedaling and coasted to a stop, waiting for June to catch up. Come on, June. She shouted over her shoulder. We don't have all day. My mom told me I have to be back home by noon. That only gives us two hours to find some bugs. Juniper pulled up beside her and scooted off her seat, planting her ragged Converse shoes on the road and bringing her bike to a quick stop. Sounding winded, she replied, Cool your jets, Katie. You gave me all this stuff to carry. All you have is that itsy bitsy glass jar on your handlebars. Kate reached out and nudged Juniper's shoulder. Aw, oh, quit your whining, turkey, she commanded. June folded her hands beneath her armpits and flapped them up and down. Gobble, 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 she said, giggling. <laughs> Both girls laughed at each other for a moment and then pressed on again, intent on finding some rare specimens before they had to turn around and go home. Presented as one of the numerous rites of summer, Kate and Juniper 
Two sweet little girls with time on their hands and a quest to fill a couple of glass mason jars with any and all creepy crawlers they can snatch off a leaf and or twig with a trusty net to be brought back and cataloged as the find of the century. The question here is this, are these kids the hunters or the hunted? You see, Lying in wait for our two intrepid backyard scientists are both the objects of their observation as well as the observers themselves, even now watching, effectively concealed somewhere behind a nearby blade of grass. They've traveled great distances for this opportunity, the chance to gaze into their own bug jar and see what makes these odd little earth creatures do what it is that they do. The air holes are punctured in the lid now, they are waiting. After about 10 minutes of pedaling further down the road, Kate noticed a dirt path that branched out from the blacktop, an opening between stalks of corn that seemed to lead deeper into the wide open field they'd just been riding past. All across the break in the corn rows, Kate could see flitting grasshoppers and lots of buzzing honeybees going about their business in the bright sunlight, a great indication that this might just be the way to an insect mother load. Hey June, Kate said. Let's go this way. There's lots of bugs over here. Juniper spotted a monarch butterfly silently drifting above the tassels near the opening and smiled. Pointing at the butterfly, she shouted, Look Kate, there's a pretty one. Both girls turned their bicycles off onto the rough, dry dirt and rattled along into the field, chasing the monarch as it fluttered along the edge of the path, coaxing them further and further into the remote countryside. Fixated on the beautiful orange and black insect, the girls were completely oblivious as to the distance they were traveling away from the road, far enough that their noontime curfew would be a real stretch to uphold. Drifting along on the crest of a warm summer breeze, the butterfly soared high above the corn and then dipped back down to the level of the girls as they tried to keep up. At one point, the monarch turned and flew back at Juniper, brushing past her ear before taking <laughs> off away from the path, above the corn, and out of sight. Oh darn it, Juniper said, disgusted. Now we'll never catch that one. Kate rolled her bike to a stop, jumped off, and lowered the kickstand with her foot. That's okay, Junie, she said excitedly. Look around. There's way more bugs where that one came from. Kate was right. Within the small space around where they had stopped, all sorts of insects darted in and out of the corn and skittered across the path before them. Crickets and nebulous swarms of tiny gnats butterflies, moths, and even a big pollen-caked bumblebee filled the scene with bustling activity. Yay! Juniper exclaimed as she propped her bike up in the middle of the trail. Come on, Kate. Put your bug jar down over here and take one of these. Hurriedly pulling a pair of nets from her saddlebags, Juniper handed one to Kate and then raised the other one over her head like a brave knight about to joust. Look out, you little crawly things, she said. It's time for the jar. <laughs> Kate laughed. <laughs> you're so scary, June, but I don't think they know what you're talking about. Juniper looked around and saw that all the insects in sight seemed to be completely oblivious to her threat. Well, she said defiantly, they will. Pretty soon all these bugs are going in the jar. 
Kate stood up rail straight and saluted her friend. Yes, ma'am, she said seriously. Soon these guys will be our host ages. <laughs> Juniper giggled. Yep, she replied. In the jar you go, Mr. Bugs, so we can watch you and see what you do. Juniper's brow furrowed. Hey, Kate, you poked holes in the lid, didn't you? Kate held the jar out for her to see. Of course I did. You don't think I would want a jar full of dead bugs, do you? I don't know, Katie did. Juniper said. Sometimes I worry about you. Remember that time in first grade when you came to school with your dress on backwards? Just saying. Unable to come up with an equally salty response, Kate started walking further down the path, chanting, June bug, Junie bug, Junie, Junie prune bug. Not wishing to be outdone, Juniper trotted down the path after her, chiming in with a chorus of, Katie did, Katie did, Katie, Katie, lady did. After a moment, Katie spotted another butterfly, this time a swallowtail, and took off running after it. Hey, Kate, wait for me, Juniper exclaimed. As both girls scampered away from their designated base camp, neither of them noticed a slight whirring sound approaching from somewhere down the path behind them. After a moment, a small, metallic, saucer-shaped object glided between the parked bicycles and then drifted silently up and over the tops of the corn stalks, tracking parallel to the girls several rows away from the path. The swallowtail landed on an ear of corn and then gracefully batted its wings, as if teasing the approaching small game hunters. Both girls nudged each other from one side to the other, each trying to be the first to reach the beautiful butterfly and catch it in a net. This one's mine, Kate insisted. I saw it first. Just as Kate uttered the words, Juniper carefully swiped her net across the edge of the cornstalk and easily captured the butterfly inside the delicate fabric. Holding the opening shut with her little fist, Juniper said, Hurry up, Kate. Open the bug jar for me. Kate suddenly realized that she'd left the container on the ground next to Juniper's bicycle. Oh, no! She exclaimed. The bug jar is back in the grass by your bike! Juniper let out a long, loud sigh. Nice work, Miss Professional Bugologist, she blurted out. Um... Kate responded. That's entomologist, Junie. I'm a professional entomologist scientist person. Juniper countered. Not without the bug jar, you're not. Calm down, Junie. Kate said. Hold the net closed, and let's go back and get the jar. Jeez, take a chill pill or something. Okay, Kate, but let's hurry. I don't want this butterfly to hurt its wings. With a heightened sense of urgency, the pair sprinted back toward the bicycles to retrieve the jar. Once back, Kate picked up the mason jar and carefully released the butterfly through the opening and twisted the lid shut behind it. We did it! Juniper shouted. We caught a nice one! Kate and Juniper both sat down in the grass and closely examined their trophy. It's so pretty, isn't it? Kate asked. It's the prettiest butterfly I ever saw, Juniper replied. Do you think we can catch another one? Kate didn't answer. Juniper looked away from the bug jar and up into her girlfriend's face. Kate wasn't looking at the jar anymore. For some reason, she was focused on something over Juniper's shoulder. What? Juniper asked, alarmed. 
Oh no, is there a big bug on me? Kate still didn't respond, just sat there in silence with a look of absolute awe blooming across her features. Finally, Kate managed to raise her arm and point her index finger at something that Juniper still couldn't see, even out of the corner of her eye. Leaping to her feet, Juniper ran several feet back, away from whatever it was Kate was pointing to. Turning, Juniper finally saw what it was. Rising up high above the cornfield, a short distance away from the trail, was an old windmill, its rusted metal wheel slowly spinning in the breeze. That, however, was not the subject of Kate's scrutiny. Silently orbiting around the windmill, like a tetherball attached to a pole, was a small silver disc, an honest-to-goodness flying saucer. Juniper had heard her mom and dad discuss these things before. They called them UFOs, or something like that. This thing was definitely some kind of flying object, all right, because it wasn't attached to the tripod tower in any way. It just seemed to be spinning around it in wide, sweeping arcs. What is that thing? I don't know, Junie. Kate replied. Maybe someone is out here flying a remote control. The idea hadn't occurred to Juniper, and the seemingly logical explanation immediately transformed her initial fear into curiosity. Neato, she said excitedly. Let's go watch it fly. As her friend took off in a dead run down the corn row, Kate hesitated. She'd seen radio-controlled airplanes, cars, and even boats, but never anything like this. Also a bit worrisome was the fact that this thing wasn't making any noise. All the flying models she'd ever seen had noisy little engines and buzzed louder than a hive of angry bees. This just floated around in the air like a frisbee, though even a frisbee would fall back to the ground after it had been tossed. One way or another, she decided that Juniper was already way out ahead of her, and for sure she didn't want the two of them to become separated. Junie, wait up! She shouted, and then took off after her. By the time Kate caught up with Juniper, her friend was already halfway up a rickety wooden ladder that had been nailed to the side of the windmill structure. On close examination, it seemed like something that Kate's mom would have warned her not to climb. Wait a minute, Junie! She shouted. That looks really dangerous! Juniper stopped climbing and looked down. Don't be an old buddy-duddy, Kate, she said. We can see much better from up here. Kate could see that simply instructing Juniper to stop wasn't going to work. Deciding that Junie's safety was pretty much up to her, she gripped the first rung and started up after her. I really wish you wouldn't do this, she went on. We can't catch any bugs up there. Juniper had reached the top of the windmill tower and was now standing on a platform next to the wheel. Seeing as Juniper was already up there, Kate figured that there was no point in continuing to argue. As she continued to climb, she asked, Well, Junebug, what do you see? Juniper was looking out across the field at something or another, and for some reason wasn't tracking the movements of the saucer at all. Finally reaching the top rung, Kate stood up next to her friend and focused her attention in the same direction. A short distance away, 
the corn seemed to have been pushed over and flattened to form a detailed pattern of interconnected concentric circles. Whoa! Kate exclaimed. What do you think that's supposed to be? Juniper smiled. I don't know, but it sure is pretty. It reminds me of ice cream or something. Kate giggled. Ice cream? How do you figure that? Juniper sat down on the edge of the platform and dangled her legs off the side. That's what popped inside my head. Pointing to the design, she continued. Each of those circles is like a different scoop. That one down there is Rocky Road, connected to a scoop of strawberry over there, and those two far away are chocolate and vanilla. You're goofy, Kate told her friend as she sat down beside her. I don't see any of that. To me, it looks like the quilt my mom is knitting. The corn is the fabric, and the squished corn is the stuff she sews on with a needle and a thimble. The lines between the circles make me think of thread that ties everything together. Juniper looked over at Kate with a confused expression. That's boring. I like ice cream way better. As the girls sat debating their interpretation of the crop circles, the small metallic disc came careening around the tower in front of them and then broke free of the windmill orbit to go zipping out toward the design in the field. While they watched on in amazement, the tiny craft dived below the level of the stalks and as it did so, started forming a new set of lines as it effortlessly pushed the corn down ahead of its flight path. Juniper started laughing hysterically. Orange sherbet! You're a goober, Kate told her. That's not ice cream, it's squished down popcorn. Both girls leaned back on the platform and laughed. Kate poked Juniper in the stomach, making her laugh harder. Tickle monster! Squealing, Juniper tried to tickle back, but was too hysterical to find a ticklish spot. Stop! She shouted between chuckles. I'm gonna roll off this thing. Figuring that Junie was probably right, Kate relented and sat up again to see where the flying saucer was now. Sadly, it was nowhere to be found. The new shape in the cornfield seemed to have completed what was now a perfectly symmetrical pattern. I guess it was done making ice cream, Kate said, poking fun at her friend. Yup, I guess so, replied Juniper. As both girls stood up and started back toward the ladder, Juniper noticed a strange little green insect clinging to one of the blades of the windmill, holding on and going round and round like it was riding a ferris wheel. Look up there, Kate, she said, pointing at the revolving wheel. Check out that bug. Kate's eyes widened. Wow, that's a creepy looking one. Too bad we didn't bring any nets up here. What kind of bug do you suppose it is? Juniper stepped closer to the wheel and looked closely at the creature as it came around again. As it passed near to her face, she could see that it had two big round eyeballs and that a pair of itsy bitsy black pupils were staring directly at her. Kate, I don't think that thing is a bug, she said wearily. Of course it is, Junie. I've seen those kinds of bugs in our book. Remembering that she had stuffed the well-loved field guide in her pocket, Kate pulled it out and started flipping through the pages. About halfway through, she stopped and folded the page out for Juniper to see. (gasps) 
It's a praying mantis. She said, pointing to a picture. It says here that the mantis is a close relative to termites and cockroaches. Ew, yuck. Juniper exclaimed. That's disgusting. But wait. Kate continued. Mantises were considered to have supernatural powers. Also, this says that mantises are among the insects most commonly kept as pets. Juniper looked dumbfounded. Pets? She said incredulously. Like a dog? Or a cat? Yeah, I guess. Kate replied. Maybe we could take this guy home with us and teach him to roll over. (laughs) (laughs) Junie giggled. What would you call him? She asked. Goggles? That's a good name. Kate responded. Or maybe Dennis. Junie was laughing hysterically again. Dennis the Mantis. <laughs> That's great. As the windmill wheel brought the diminutive green critter around again, Junie called out, Hello, Dennis. The Mantis tilted its head, almost as if it heard her and was listening. That bug is smart, Junie said. Too smart to put in the bug jar, Kate responded. Yeah, Junie said. Besides, we didn't bring the jar or the nets. Too bad. We'll just have to let this one go. Bye-bye, Dennis. Kate said, waving. Have a nice day. As the girls climbed down the ladder, Kate looked at her wristwatch and saw that it was almost noon. Oh, no, she said. We only have about ten minutes left to get home. Juniper sounded troubled. Uh Uh-oh, she responded. We're going to be grounded for sure. Picking up the pace, the girls ran back through the corn row to the trail and then a short distance further to their bicycles. Kate picked up the bug jar with the swallowtail still fluttering inside and placed it carefully on top of her handlebars. Juniper stuffed the nets back in the saddlebags alongside the mushy PB&J sandwiches and other sticky leftovers from the uneaten lunch. Kate took the insect guidebook and tossed it to Junie for transport as well. Then both girls lifted their kickstands and prepared to ride away. Just before either of them could begin pedaling, the little silver disc glided back into view from the direction of the windmill. Wait a minute, Kate said hesitating. The miniature flying saucer dipped down low to the ground near the side of the path and then stopped several inches above the gravel surface. After a moment, a small rectangular aperture opened on the smooth fuselage and out walked three mantises, two little green guys and another large one with a tannish gray complexion. As the pair of greens stood guard, the sizable mantis marched across the distance between the ship and Kate's bicycle and then scurried up the steering fork to where she was gripping the jar. Gesturing with its forelegs, The insect seemed to point at the glass and to the butterfly contained within. Then, extending those same forelegs in a sweeping expression, the mantis turned its head upward and nodded, as if to suggest that the insignificant container and the world around it were somehow one and the same. The insect then proceeded to climb up Kate's arm and perch upon her shoulder. Barely audible over the gentle rustling of the corn tassels and other ambient sounds of the countryside, Kate thought she heard a voice, 
tenuous and vague like a whisper. Rocky Road, chocolate, vanilla and orange sherbet. Corn is the fabric, stitched with needle and thimble. A smile formed on Kate's face. As the mantis scampered back down to the path and returned to stand with its companions, Kate held up the jar and twisted off the lid. The beautiful swallowtail climbed through the opening and stood there on the rim of the jar, gracefully unfolding its wings. The girls watched as the butterfly lifted itself effortlessly into the air, flittering out of sight above the field. Looking back at the trio of mantises, Kate saw the large one look up at her and nod with approval. Then, the tiny alien visitors retreated back through the opening, which in turn slid shut behind them. Seconds later, the ship lifted away from the ground and instantly accelerated up into the bright blue sky, off to the vast reaches of thin air. Well now, that was a close encounter, wasn't it? But of course, first things first. Miraculously, Kate and Juniper easily made it home before their noontime deadline. Odd, considering it took them nearly 30 minutes to pedal all the way out to that cornfield. If I didn't know any better, I'd say there was some mischief at play here, wouldn't you? Perhaps not any missing time, but rather a little tinkering with the minute hand to give our adventuresome pair of explorers some extra wiggle room to stick around and take note. What was the takeaway, you ask? Namely this, that in this vast universe we share, there is always room for examination and for expanding our understanding of all creatures, near or far. To that end, the bug jar is only a means of temporary confinement, a tool for closer examination that should never become a barrier, keeping those contained within from reaching out and realizing their full potential. In that regard, a cylinder of glass, a veil of atmosphere, or the pull of gravity should never stand in the way of those whose curiosity drives them ever onward from a field of corn into an infinite field of stars. Episode 7 of the Thin Air Podcast Anthology, The Bug Jar, was written, produced, directed, narrated, and told by R.J. Lonsdale. The voices of Kate and June are performed by Hannah and Amelia Lonsdale. Audio production for all Thin Air episodes by Mark W. Wood of Wood Media Studio, Incorporated. Music compositions used in this episode include Mysterious City and The Release by Mark W. Wood. This has been an R.J. Lonsdale Flyby Studios presentation. <laughs>